Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unbossed. It is Jessica Burbank filling in for Senator Nina Turner. We have a rare duo today. It's me and Francesca Fiorentini. We're lucky to have <laughs> on the show. Yeah. We are indeed. Uh, so good to be on with you, Jessica. Very, very excited. Um, God, what a what a week. <laughs> the circus is still in town. It's been a fun week. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, honestly, like like it it's just a little moment of reprieve before it gets all bad. Yes. You know, and there's like, oh, this is we can laugh at how bad it is. A little before moment. It gets so bad we can't laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna be talking about it. We're gonna be unpacking all of it today. It's day four of the circus being in town. We're gonna talk about the C-SPAN camera angles a little bit as well. Uh, And today is our two year anniversary of January 6th, the violent insurrection at the Capitol. And finally, we'll be talking about a Wall Street Journal reporter that ended up getting arrested while reporting a story. So let's get right into it, watch this. It's not one side's gonna get more than another, it's the entire conference is gonna have to learn how to work together. So it's better that we go through this process right now so we can achieve the things we want to achieve for the American public, what our commitment was. So if this takes a little longer and it doesn't meet your deadline, that's okay. Because it's not, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And if we finish well, we'll be very successful. All right, so today we're entering day four in the vote for the GOP, likely Speaker of the House. And this is the longest that the vote has ever taken in 164 years. Uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy suffered a stinging uh, 12th defeat earlier today. I think it looks like we're expected to go into 14 to 15 votes. Uh, McCarthy's continued to negotiate with a group of hardline Republicans who have derailed his bid. We spoke a little bit about this on the show yesterday, but here are the 20 uh, who have been consistently voting against McCarthy. Here are their faces of those 20, 12, have denied the 2020 election results. Here are those 12. You can see Gates and Boebert, the most vocal of this faction. And as just a reminder, a nominee needs 218 votes to have a majority here of the 435 in Congress, unless some people withhold their votes. So the House can't do much until a speaker is chosen. Here's a list of the things that cannot get done because they're stalling and still voting. Craft and pass legislation, government and public oversight, receive classified briefings, basic management. So some are saying uh, that this ongoing show is the downfall of the MAGA faction of the Republican Party. Look at this headline. The Speaker of the House debacle is the MAGA revolution eating its children. Mm -hmm. The extreme Republicans blocking McCarthy are refusing to accept a loss, the core of the Trumpist playbook. Uh, but it seems as though there are concessions that uh, McCarthy is giving to this faction in order to gain some of their votes. So it might be worthwhile for them to have done this for the past few days. Although the main complaint is that it's been terribly embarrassing and has gotten in the way of other things getting done. And perhaps these conversations should have been had before McCarthy moved in. I think it's a lot a lot of fun. I don't think it's embarrassing. I think it's <laughs> a turmoil that is not so different from the regular ongoings of a GOP controlled Congress, Francesca. I mean, exactly. That's that's it's pretty much emblematic of the GOP as it is in the year now 2023, 2 years after the violent insurrection. 
of which many of the people who are currently holding out on this vote for speaker, as you mentioned, were part of, instigated, incited, helped, gave aid and comfort to. And so this is what they want. These these Congress people have more in common with the QAnon shaman who stormed the Capitol that day and screamed about veganism or whatever he was doing than they do with Kevin McCarthy or any other Republicans or honestly government. Because these guys are the children of the Tea Party movement. These guys are the children of a far right fringe movement that says the best thing about government is no government at all. So to be honest with you, they just want to tear it all down. They don't want to do anything for their constituents. They don't want to do anything for their country. They don't want to serve their country, right? All of the things that they constantly harp on, right? We're the real patriots. We stand up for America. No, they just want to get get theirs. They want a grift. They want money, and they can do that and still play these dumb games. It's no sweat off their back. They're not the ones who are going to be losing out. It's the American people who are going to be losing out. So again, yeah, it is. This is perfect. This makes sense for them. This is on brand. Yeah, the most ridiculous concession, I think, and the most telling one is to have less security, to have the metal detectors removed at mm-hmm. the Capitol as of January 3rd, three days before the two year anniversary of January 6th. It's like the concessions are not, hey, maybe we could have you know some committee that's going to investigate, I don't know, election fraud, something we made a very big deal out of. If we thought our democracy was crumbling and we didn't have integrity in our elections, maybe we'd want the speaker to devote some of our labor into looking into that and strengthening our elections. Instead, what we want to have happen is less security. It's exactly what you said so that they can take over the government and have no order. Yeah, and look, he's picking them off one by one. It seems like there was a 13th vote and it did fail, but failed by less. So now there are five holdouts. Some of the people from the Freedom Caucus who came over to finally vote for McCarthy include Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. This is a guy who made Donald Trump and his DOJ investigate Italy gate, supposed Italy gate, where satellites in Italy were flipping votes for Biden, right? Like, this is a guy who then floated Jeffrey Clark, who was some random numbnuts in the DOJ. Uh, floated him to be installed as attorney general on like, you know, on the eve or a few weeks um, after the insurrect or a few days after the insurrection. Like, these are nut jobs. And so, the, yes, they're coming over. They're, it, it's looking like Kevin McCarthy will absolutely will be speaker. But man, that quote of it's not how you start, it's how you finish. No, no, no. It's the whole thing. And in this, like, it is. It is this process. The fact that you couldn't whip these votes immediately shows you do not have power. And the fact that you're giving out these concessions that ultimately mean nothing at the end of the day, although might get people killed if they're open, allowed to open carry in Congress. Like it, it, it's it looks terrible on you as an entire party. So I know that the MAGA folks, the the insurrectionists, they think they're doing a good thing. They think that this is strengthening them. Kevin McCarthy knows it's not, he's just painting it as it is. But ultimately on a wider lens, they all look silly and they all are being, their whole ass is being shown and everyone can see it, including their own voters. Yeah, I think 
I mean, we all thought that we were gonna get some joking names thrown out for speaker. I mean, that's been the running joke throughout this whole thing is, you know, we should nominate X, Y, or Z person. But then when Matt Gates actually went so far as to nominate Donald Trump, I didn't take it seriously at first, but he did it more than once. Let's watch a video of Matt Gates nominating Trump. Gates. Donald John Trump. Trump. All right, so not the Donalds that other people were voting for, but Trump responded on Truth Social with this photo of himself as speaker, likely taken from the State of the Union address, as you can see. But yeah, what a situation of Trump saying, you know, it's a joke. I could be the Speaker of the House. We covered the legality of this. It's not really explicitly stated in the Constitution that it has to be someone who's an elected member of representatives to be Speaker of the House. It isn't in the Articles of Confederation. It's implied that it should be a Speaker because it's so outlandish to assume that, I don't know, someone who is not elected as a representative could lead the body. But this would really distract from his bid for presidency in 2024 if he was serving as Speaker of the House. It would be a ridiculous clown show continued of the circus we're experiencing right now. But go ahead, distract him from being president, let him be Speaker of the House. I would love to see Donald Trump try and grasp Robert's rules of order in parliamentary procedure. Francesca. <laughs> no, please keep him far away from the speakership. <laughs> Good God, but it is fun. I do think it is fun though, speaking of Robert's rules, like just the Trump administration was very much like watching a toddler learn about government. And if if only for those fun little moments of like, oh, that's how the division of um, power works. I get it, oh, three branches, whoa, I thought it was just one, me in charge. No, look, this is the guy who's begging, begging the Freedom Caucus to vote for McCarthy. And then of course, some random chud on the internet makes a meme and sends it to him. And he's like, I'm gonna truth this out. <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? It makes everyone look so dumb. And you can hear it in Sean Hannity's voice as he like goes and spars with Bobert, right? Over over how dumb it makes the right look. Like, honestly, it's fitting. Right, that this is two years after January 6th, because that made the right look terrible. And this also, it shows you, okay, so what we believe in basically is violence. We don't really believe in government. We're taking a piss out of all of this. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I mean, reducing the security at the Capitol is, it's obvious that that's what they want. No one can serve their constituents better because people can bring weapons into the building. I mean, that really does nothing for strengthening American democracy or passing good legislation or fighting for the needs of the American people. It really doesn't. But these factions in the Republican Party are the result of them saying, you know what? If we have this white nationalist who's quite good at taking the fear in the United States and fomenting hatred out of that, and then taking that momentum and turning it into votes and political power for the Republicans. I mean, because they haven't had a platform, a policy platform mm-hmm. that has made people vote for them, and they've instead taken this path. They've gotten themselves in this situation. And it's interesting to see people like Hannity running cover and beefing with Lauren Boebert on live television because it shows that they really are trying to backtrack because they see themselves 
becoming fools because mm-hmm. there are people that never pay attention to American politics that on my timeline are now talking about a procedural vote for speaker in Congress. Like yes. these are people involved in relatively boring aspects of American politics that usually don't pay attention. Uh, and so they're running cover because they can see this translating them into losing votes in 2024, I think. Yeah, I mean, and and honestly, it's you wonder why. Like, there's there's really no difference between the Hannitys and the Matt Gates in this country. You know, what does Hannity want? Does he want another tax break? Like, does he want to buy another private jet on the American people's dime? Like, what is it that he actually wants? You gotta wonder. I mean, maybe it's just like I need my boys to sit committee so you know they can give me the deets on any insider trading info, you know, or whatever it is. Like, I need my friends in the energy sector. Or you know wherever in the real estate sectors, like I need them to get theirs. Like is that is just like the corruption cannot wait. I feel like that's what it is because ultimately, again, Fox News isn't floating any platform policy. Like what are they talking about? They're just uplifting libs of TikTok bigots. Like which which even still isn't really translating into anything policy wise. It is on a state level in some cases. But in other cases, look, this is the party that got what they wanted. They overturned Roe v. Wade effectively, and guess what? It didn't translate into votes for them. It's not popular with the American people, so they really don't know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I think like another reason people are paying attention to this all is because it's been made to be entertaining. Mm. Uh, Which brings us into our next story because C-SPAN has been covering all of this with cameras on the House floor. We've seen a lot of things we don't usually see like this, watch. You heard of the Pied Piper? Mm-hmm. Well, in my dream, Pied Piper had toilet paper, one sheet mm-hmm. of the cheap kind. Yes. And he took that and he ripped out a creme brulee and a little mm-hmm. tiny pepper uh-huh. Yes. before mm-hmm. he ate mm-hmm. a tree. You didn't have that dream? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, nope, okay, you did not. Don't tell me you did. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't ever get to mm-hmm. dream of the Pied Piper eating mm-hmm. a tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you're telling me mm-hmm. you dreamed that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. I uh, then it. Wasn't as cool as my dream. All right, so while we have cameras on the conversations going on on the floor of Congress, we don't have microphones on these folks, but we can make our best guesses about what's being said. And there's a lot of that going on right now. Let's watch some more. I've heard that the floor asked for shrubs to be put in the common areas. Yeah, you're no, right. We will not let this slide because, like, when obviously you obviously we'd you know put in some rocks too. Oh, interesting. All rocks are my friends. I didn't know. Hey, listen. Hey, hey. Huh? You're really obvious in the red. I think it's kind of too red. Oh, really? Well, you have a regular face. <laughs> Point. <laughs> I love it. So uh, that, that last one happened. That last one was exactly verbatim. You have a regular face. <laughs> I think bad lip readings can, you know, be accurate sometimes. Yeah, it's a shout out to bad lip readings. That's just a brilliant, brilliant use of time. You know, they were there when we needed them most. Yes, Uh, we don't usually have shots like this uh, of the house floor. And people are interested in seeing maybe I think what their representatives are up to. Who is talking to who? Uh, Many of these clips have gone viral. The people are interested in them. It's weird to see AOC talking to Paul Gosar and Matt Gates. Uh, But there's a reason we don't usually get to see those moments. This is fascinating, reporting from Vice. For decades, 
C-SPAN has asked to be able to film all of what happens in the House chamber, not just the person speaking. Thanks to the Kevin McCarthy speaker battle, it is finally happening in all its chaotic glory. Then a quote from Brian Lamb, who's the C-SPAN chairperson, who said, currently House floor debates are not in full public view because private news media cameras are still not permitted in the House chamber. C-SPAN's request is for the addition of a few small robotically operated cameras in the House chamber. Its requests have always been denied, reported by Vice. Now, Ben O'Connell, who's the director of editorial operations for C-SPAN, so a guy behind a lot of the shots we're seeing, he said typically during normal run of the mill House sessions, the cameras are totally controlled by government employees, so not by independent media like C-SPAN. However, reporting by Vice, there are different rules for special events like joint sessions. For all of O'Connell's 22 years at C-SPAN, they've been the pool camera crews for the speaker vote. In that sense, and only in that sense, this year's speaker vote has gone just as all the others in recent history. C-SPAN has three cameras in the House chambers. And they can stay there until the speaker is elected and new members have been sworn in. Of course, what is different this year is that it was not a routine two or three hour long event. It is now on its third day. This was reported yesterday and the proceedings are highly contentious. Ben O'Connell then said, because we have cameras in the chamber, we're able to tell the story of what's happening on the House floor. You're able to see the migrating scrums of congressmen in the House floor as they negotiate with each other. You're able to see extraordinary conversations and you're able to see conversations that sometimes look somewhat contentious among some members. You'd never be able to see that with the standard House feed and because we know about some of these conversations that are happening, that are heated, or just people you wouldn't expect to be talking to each other in this moment, we can ask about them, which is exactly what The Intercept did. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez commented, she said, McCarthy was suggesting he could get Dems to walk away to lower his threshold. And I fact checked and said, absolutely not. So here you had McCarthy lying to Gates and Gosar saying, you know, we could get them to lower the threshold which he asked AOC about, she said that's not true. That's a really interesting conversation and to know that party leadership is lying. AOC had more to say about this. She did an interview with MSNBC where she elaborated on these conversations she's been having with some of the members of the far right faction. Let's watch. Since some of us in the House of Representatives are independent in certain ways from our party. And I do believe that in some of those conversations, there are, Things that are happening on the floor, these machinations are happening on the floor. And sometimes the leadership of your party, uh, in this case, the Republican Party, will be making claims uh, in order to try to twist arms and get people in line. And a lot of times, information and truth is currency. Um, so sometimes to be able to fact check some of the claims that McCarthy is making, uh, whether Democrats are going to defect or not, etc., is important in order to keep him honest and to keep people honest in general. So thanks to these cameras, we know more about what our representatives are doing. That's good for democracy and transparency and blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, it's great for memes. Let's look at this photo. To me, 
this looks like a Renaissance painting. Stuff <laughs> like this is brilliant. Look at Gates in the front, AOC having a heated convo in the back. Santos is in the mix. I think it's brilliant. Santos, yeah, that, that actually, he photoshopped himself in, he was not there. My favorite is this one of Santos. He's staring directly down the barrel. Beautiful. Yo, Santos is making sure he is just like, <laughs> <laughs> someone needs to give him 20 bucks to go get some snacks and like just be gone for a little bit. It is not a good look. <laughs> the Santos story also like the fact that that's sort of the undercurrent for this week and that it's still going. Because when the Santos stuff broke, I was like, this is gonna blow over. No, 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 it's there and so is he. <laughs> She's like, when's it my turn? Uh, you know, then I'll, I'll, I'm president now, right? Well, I was once. Like, I just, I'm the former president of Brazil. What? No. Like, it's <laughs> so, so good. But I will say, it is. I do think C-SPAN is, first of all, loving it. It's just like when, you know, Law and Order TV, or what was it like? Yeah, Law and Court TV during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. You know, it's their moment, okay? Uh, and it is nice that we see finally these camera operators are allowed to film what's going on. We can see how people are treating one another. We can see whether or not Democrats even talk to Republicans at all. And it is interesting that you've got Gates and Gosar especially who've openly like said horrible things about AOC. Gosar's account once tweeted a video, he was censured for this, tweeted a video about of AOC being murdered. You know, and there he is sitting there talking to her about, you know, his dream about the Pied Piper. No, obviously talking to her about who knows what, but her face is like, fool, you put a death wish out. You put a hit out on me. I'm not talking to you. What are you saying to me? What is he possibly saying to her, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, he could have been another one of the guys that was just asking, like, does McCarthy actually have some of you saying you're gonna flip so that I get the majority? Um, you know, it could have been a question like that. I don't know what someone like that talks to AOC about. And it was an anime video as well. And there's no chance that <laughs> Gosar found that himself. It was definitely one of the younger guys on his team that was like, can you please tweet this out? You would get yeah. so much recognition for it publicly. I swear this will land on the internet. Uh, but it could get him in some hot water because it was very clearly a death wish. And so it's like, you're forcing people on opposite ends of the political spectrum to work together because the establishment is just lying to you about what their hand is. And that's the state of American politics. Mm. I mean, to be fair, they are not the establishment, Gates and AOC. I wish AOC were right. the establishment. So it is interesting, you know, what, what could they possibly be arguing? You know, say, hey, you could really stick it to Jeffries, who's talked a lot of ish about, about AOC. Jeffries hates AOC. Like you should, you know, you could vote for Kevin and AOC's probably like, no. <laughs> thank you, but no, thank you. Anyway. Yeah. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll be back after this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Unbossed. I'm Jessica Burbank filling in for Nina Turner, and we've got Francesca Fiorentini with us and Mickey C, the silver haired dragon, who we can always count on, who said, <laughs> With McCarthy making even more concessions, if he does win the seat, he'll have no, no power at all. Since he's still fighting for it, that means he doesn't care about the power, he just wants that title. Very interesting. All right, then we have Galfer71 who said on Twitch, 
Jessica and Fran Fio, the Grateful Dragons? Question <laughs> mark. Ah, <laughs> make very <work> for me. <laughs> Always green, or you get pinched for January sixth. <laughs> Indeed. Kyle says, I kind of want the worst person possible to win. They won't get anything done anyway, and they'll lose some clout and be shown to look foolish as as foolish as they are. Amazing, amazing. Then we have HB Free. If you're going to the live bituation room in SM, yeah. you can also protest the Walk for Life that same weekend. Thank ah, you. Good to know. That and the Walk for Life. All right, we're gonna get into some more news. As we've stated, it is the anniversary of January 6th. Today marks two years from the insurrection and America's learned so much in those two years, right? Maybe not, let's watch Lauren Boebert. When I arrived in Congress two years ago, Nancy Pelosi put this hunk of garbage outside of the House chambers for members of Congress to go through. Today, they are being removed and we are turning Pelosi's house back into the people's house. All right, yeah, no more safety precautions for the people. Makes a lot of sense. Many are not celebrating, but are continuing to be arrested. Look at this headline. Two years later, prosecutions of January 6th rioters continue to grow. The Justice Department's investigation of the Capitol attack, already the largest it has ever conducted, has resulted in 900 arrests with the potential for scores of hundreds more to come. As of Wednesday, about 950 people had been charged in connection with the storming of the Capitol. Here are the numbers. 18 charged with seditious conspiracy. That's a really difficult conviction to get. 284 charged with assaulting or resisting an officer. 295 charged with obstruction of an official proceeding before Congress. And prison time for those charges varies. So this chart is pretty useful. Most defendants were sentenced to less than six months in prison. So that's why you see the grouping below one year. No big deal, you just try to take over the government. Retired New York Police Department officer Thomas Webster got the largest sentence all the way to the right. You can see he got 10 years. Uh, video showed him assaulting an officer with a flagpole. You all might remember that video. Mm-hmm. But I know what many of you are thinking. There have been jokes that this person should be the new Speaker of the House, given that uh, he's taken that seat before. So what about the crazy QAnon guy? The best known defendant charged with a, this obstruction count is Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, who was sentenced on it in late 2021 to 41 months in prison. So at yeah. least seven people lost their lives in connection with January 6th with the attack on the Capitol and the FBI is still looking for whoever placed the pipe bombs that many people have stopped talking about. Look at this headline, the FBI offers half a mil reward to solve January 5th, 2021 Capitol Hill pipe bomber case. Yeah. Francesca. No, I mean, it's incredible that we aren't talking about that every single day. Again, shoe on the other foot, you know, imagining if these were, if if the, the picture that the right paints of the left of the Black Lives Matter movement, if it were a fraction of that, right? If some, for some reason, these were Medicare for all, climate justice, racial justice protesters, the amount of time they would be hit with, you know, 
who the 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 like the felonies, the the amount of like the never being able to hold a job, the losing all their current jobs, losing their businesses, not being able to vote, all the things that come along with it, obviously, it would be insane. You just have to, we have to constantly remember that. Look, I think it's important, 900 plus people were charged, great. Um, 18 on seditious conspiracy, I'm pretty sure everyone wanted to overthrow the government. But the bigger story here, and I know we're gonna get into it, is that none of the goons who are actually sitting right now doing F all in Congress, who were supplying and fueling and inciting that very riot, none of the elected officials have been brought to justice at all. So yes, you have these low level you know, poor folks who honestly, yeah, had been duped. A lot of them truly thought the election was stolen. Um, some of them were organized militias as we saw with Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, etc. But it is just incredible to me. Like I feel like it took maybe a year for the shock of January 6th to wear off. And thank God at least the panel wrapped up the January 6th committee. And I think that was important for them to reach their a deadline of, hey, let's at least not go past the two year mark here before we collect all this evidence and present it to the public. Um, but still the fact that no one higher up has been held responsible or held accountable for their actions is, is mind boggling. Yeah, I think Donald Trump, at the very least, uh, not being charged is the most insane thing. Like he should have been the first guy that they got, and he would have been an easy get on seditious conspiracy as he was the leader <laughs> of the insurrection. I mean, to have your Secret Service be aware of what's about to go down, be aware that these people are trying to bring weapons, and for them to reroute your vehicle so that you don't go and join the mob. Because you very well know that there are people there with weapons and you encourage them and you don't call off this mob of people attacking the Capitol. I mean, there's nothing more obvious than that for seditious conspiracy. He incited an insurrection and Merrick Garland has no backbone for him to wait until Donald Trump announces his bid for the presidency to say, you know what, now it's not under my purview. It seems like politics if I investigate this now. Dude, you had so much time to investigate the president for seditious conspiracy, you decided deliberately not to. And we yeah. can theorize the reasons why they didn't. And I think a major one is that they're afraid of what would happen if they did. They're mm -hmm. genuinely afraid of the fascist and white Christian nationalist uprisings in the United States. And they are very quick to send the National Guard in when it's something like Standing Rock. I think that's a really good point, Francesca. The government treats fascists very differently from anti-fascists. Yeah. I mean, and also one thing with the National National Guard in this case was one thing we learned was that the National Guard was not sent in because the fear was that Trump would use them to actually be on the side of the seditious conspiracies, on the side of the rioters, and not protect the Congress people from the rioters. So I mean, that is just, but you're right, you're right. The the real question is, will Merrick Garland charge Donald Trump? And also, yeah, how scared are you? They, they admit they're scared, but they need to start talking about it more. It can't just be a mm, who planted the pipe bomb. Every day we should be talking about who planted the pipe bomb. Yeah, so true. All right, we've got uh, some more of the everyday. Uh, kind of fascism in the United States, the kind of fascism that takes place by the hands of the police when they are conveniently sent to do the bidding of big banks. Let's watch this. I told you I would voluntarily leave. He's, he, I heard him say he was gonna leave, this is ridiculous. 
He's a reporter, and I heard him say he was going to leave. He's also doing literally nothing, like nothing wrong. No, he said he was going to leave. You did not need to cuff him. You absolutely did not need to cuff him. Hey, what's your name so I can send this to you? Dion Ramon. Okay. So that is Dion Rabon. He is a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. He was at a Chase Bank following a lead for a story. He had talked to several economists and people who knew of the story at Chase Bank, but he wanted to also get the opinion of Chase customers. He was doing a good job, doing his literal job reporting a story, and he ended up getting arrested. He says he was never asked to leave, but when the police showed up, he told them he was very willing to leave and he described the situation to go as follows. The officer stood in his path several times. He was not told he was being arrested or detained or of any crime he had been committed. And then the police officer said, stop resisting, don't be difficult and mm-hmm. then started to put him in cuffs. That's pretty standard, that's pretty typical of how this type of thing goes down. Reporting from CNN says the Committee to Protect Journalists has also sounded the alarm over the incident. Catherine Jacobson said the detention of Rabwin highlights a very real threat faced by reporters, especially local reporters across the country. Jacobson went on to say that it is disheartening to see acts of hostility towards journalists working in the United States. So this played out pretty pretty typically. Now the Phoenix Police Department is under investigation with the DOJ for infringing upon citizens exercising their first amendment rights when it comes to intervening with journalists doing their jobs. The police department said, you know, he was on private property. We can see in that video he was outside of the Chase Bank. But this is what cops do quite frequently when they want to arrest someone. They kind of stand in their way, make it seem like the person's not free to go. Then they end up not arresting them for any particular crime that they were committing before the police showed up, but then for resisting arrest and non compliance. Very convenient for the cops to just simply detain whatever citizen they want. Doesn't feel like a free country when that's something that can happen, not to mention the clear racial undertones here. But this is also the cops doing the bidding of the big banks. This is why you have so many people criticizing the police for protecting private property and those who own it above the safety of the public. Francesca? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, that video clearly shows that he is resisting. I mean, look at how he's thrashing as he complies and puts his hand by hands behind his back. It's ridiculous. And obviously, yes, he's a black man. He is a black man, he's a journalist, and um, he's wearing shorts. He has an afro um, and he's wearing sneakers. And he is not dressed as I think a lot of people of color have learned to dress because of systemic racism, which is I'm going to wear a suit and tie because I consistently um, am thought of as a criminal. I'm not going to just wear normal clothing like a normal person. I have to dress up and this can be anything from not wanting to get arrested to wanting to be treated fairly when you go shopping. You know, you just go out and you don't want to be treated like crap. You don't want to be followed or assume that you might steal something. People do this all of the time. And so I think it's important to point that those two things out. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. There's a reason also in the Trump era that it's not just the cops, right? It's like 
Journalists are target number one, and there's a reason where you've got folks like Andrew Callahan coming out with, you know, uh, this place rules the HBO documentary. You know, he's a giant white man. You've got Jordan Klepper, who is wonderful. He's a giant white man. You can't send Jessica or myself out into the streets to report on Trumpism and Trump's supporters unless we pretend like we're right wingers, of course. Which uh, TBD, we should do this, Jessica. But like, yeah, I mean, again, it it is. It's a, it's sad because as people who are in the profession, you want to see diversity, you want to see representation, you want to see people who are from the community reporting on that community. Um, and yet, those are the folks who are always targeted by cops, by extremists. Is there a lot of difference in many cases? Um, so yeah. Yeah, first things first, I'm down, let's go, let's put on our disguise. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hell yeah, brother, roll tide, God bless America, I'll play the part. Um, <laughs> but I think there's two things going on here, right? One is that, of course, Chase doesn't want people reporting on them. Uh, mm. This is an extremely powerful bank and using the police, which is supposed to be an entity that serves the public. I think we know very well they're not doing a good job at that. Uh, but they're using the police as an arm of capital to protect mm. capital, to prevent good reporting. Uh, from getting done exposing a lot of their criminal and fraudulent tactics where they take advantage of the public. This guy was reporting on savings accounts uh, and what Chase is doing with their consumers you know, savings accounts. Mm -hmm. If you can't go and talk to the customers about their experience with Chase Bank, they're making it extremely difficult uh, for them to be held accountable to the public. Totally. Uh, so just disgusting. And then you have the element of like just a journalist trying to do their job anywhere. This could happen to them. So we've got to go to a break. We'll have more for you after this. What's up, everything? Welcome back to Unbossed. I'm filling in for Senator Nina Turner, Jessica Burbank, and Francesca Fiorentini, and yeah. Mo Fury. This is, I think you'll like this one. Lauren okay. Boebert. Talks like she's trying to upsell you on a hot tub to go with your new above ground pool. <laughs> Sold. She no, that's talk like that. Yes, and like no, don't don't throw shade on the above ground or or the hot tub. Um, I think that is far, like that's far above Lauren Boebert's level. Um, again, she did shooters, the shooters grill, y'all. <laughs> shooters grill. On Twitch, Purple Linus, I love this. They're, they've been subscribed for five months. Wow. They said, Yay, Jessica and Francesca, long live the Fran Tifa. Woo! Yeah, hell yeah. Speaking of which, we are going to be live in Sketchfest, which is a comedy festival. I'm going to be with John Idarola. He's coming up to the Bay January 22nd at 8 p.m. You can get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. Also, Robert Evans is going to be there. He's from the Behind the Bastards podcast. And to the commenter who said you can protest the March for Life um, rally, yes, do that. That's the day before. This is like the anti-choice crazies who come out every year. And I don't know why they pick San Francisco. Go, go F off somewhere else, but they probably do it on purpose. So I agree, that's a great afternoon. Prote counter protest, come to the show. Frantifa day, we'll call Frantifa it Frantifa. Yeah. All right, we've got more news for you about wages. Yeah, it seems like people actually care about how much money they make, go figure. So experts are calling 
for a pause on Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. Go figure as wage growth rates slow. Here are the details reporting from Common Dreams. According to the new figures released by the US Labor Department, wages grew at a slower than expected rate of 0.3% last month. And November's hourly earnings number was revised down from 0.6% to 0.4%. Job growth, meanwhile, remained strong in December, even as it cooled compared to the torrid pace of early 2022. The Bureau of Labor Statistics said the United States added a better than anticipated 223,000 jobs in the last month of 2022, the fifth consecutive month of slowing growth. Inflation overall has cooled a little bit more than initially expected. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics said that the consumer price index rose just 0.1% in November compared to a 0.4% increase in October as inflationary pressures eased across the economy. From food to transportation to medical services compared to a year ago, inflation was up 7.1% in November, the lowest level since December 2021. However, the Fed is not convinced that interest rate hikes are not the solution, despite this data. The new jobs data comes days after the Fed released the minutes of its mid-December meeting, after which the central bank raised interest rates to their highest level in 15 years, despite growing warnings from a range of experts about the potential for a damaging recession and mass layoffs. According to the minutes, Fed officials are not yet satisfied with the evidence showing that inflation is slowing significantly and intend to stay the course with higher rates. Central bankers also suggested they believe the labor market is still too tight and wage growth is too strong, reiterating their goal of bringing down the ladder. Even as they admitted, there are few signs of adverse wage price dynamics. So. With slowing wage growth and increasing prices, the average workers in the United States are struggling to keep food on the table and pay their bills and pay rent. All while CEOs of corporations are raking in record profits. If the CEOs and corporations are seeing that they're experiencing record profits, that means that they have raised prices for more than necessary to account from disturbances in their supply chain that they experienced during the pandemic. They would not be seeing record profits if they had only raised prices proportionally to cover for that instability, that's very simple. In July, the AFL-CIO released a report on top executive pay. They determined that CEOs, not working people, are causing inflation. Titled Greedflation, the report shows that in 2021, CEOs of S&P 500 companies received on average 18.3 million in total compensation. CEO pay rose 18.2% faster than the United States inflation rate of 7.1%, the analysis finds. In contrast, US workers' wages fell behind inflation with workers' wages rising only 4.7% in 2021. The average S&P 500 company CEO to worker pay ratio was 324 to one. So while the right and Tucker Carlson will run programming about the crisis of workers needs not being addressed in the United States of America, for some reason the solution is to never regulate those corporations and to have someone actually do something about the greed that's being exhibited by the people who are running our economy. 
And so that's why we here at TYT cover stories like this, because you don't see mainstream press covering stuff like this. It's incredibly important for someone to fight for the workers. All the while, we see intense union busting happening at the hands of these corporations, and people like Joe Biden even forcing workers into predatory contracts, thinking of the rail workers recently. And so when it comes to labor, it seems that no one in American politics is on the side of the workers, and this is the consequence. Francesca? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, there's some glimmers of hope in this administration. Um, the rules around non-disclosure, um, excuse me, non-competition um, uh, requirements for employers and how those are being uh, done away with uh, uh, from the federal level. That's incredible. That will help workers um, be able to negotiate their their wages and their salaries in the future. But this is key. This story is the story, which is. That this administration has decided that workers are the ones who are going to pay for inflation. That's it, period. It won't be corporations, it won't be owners of business, it will be people who are already squeezed as it is. That that's why inflation rates are coming down on us. Oh, you want to own a home? <laughs> never. You're never gonna own a home. It's I mean, it was already impossible. Now it's completely impossible, right? So this has been done before. It's called a you can call it's called a price freeze and a wage freeze. If you're afraid that wages are too high, which they're not, and you just saw the evidence, but if you are somehow afraid, well then guess what? The fat cats at the top should also have to pay. You can freeze wages if you think they're too high, but you should also freeze prices. That way people don't get gouged on either side, right? They're trying to take a bite of everything we've got, right? And so, but no, this administration's not interested in that. They're not interested in doing something that would help everyone and also hurt everyone just a little bit, everyone would have to pay. They're only concerned with honestly making the working class bear the brunt of it. And it needs to be talked about more. Because at the end of the day, Jerome Powell is exactly doing that. He's like, sorry, y'all, the majority are gonna pay. The 1%, they get off. Yes, the CEOs and the, the corporation owners will always be the ones winning when it comes to how the economy is structured in the United States, and that goes for big pharma as well, of course, naturally. So this is a very sad, but not surprising. Drug companies in the United States have raised prices on over 350 different drugs in the United States just this month. Research shows that the majority of their spending that they're making, their profits, is not going to research and development. Instead, it is going to the pockets of their senior executives. Reporting from The Lever. Between 2012 and 2021, the 14 largest publicly traded pharmaceutical companies spent $747 billion on stock buybacks and dividends, substantially more than the $660 billion they spent on research and development, according to a new study by economist William Lazonic, Professor Emeritus of Economics at the University of Massachusetts, and owner Tulum, a researcher at Brown University. So despite this, drug companies still claim that they are using price increases for drug innovation. That's what they are telling the public and consumers. And then they're spending millions to lobby against allowing Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. Again, reporting from the lever. The pharmaceutical industry has spent at least 645 million on federal lobbying over the last two years. Americans spent 800 million on prescription drugs last year. Uh, 800 million more on prescription drugs last year than they had the previous year. 
However, it's proven that drug companies do not need more money for research and development. In 2021, the federal nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimated that reducing profits on top drugs by 15 to 25% would result in only two fewer drugs being introduced in over a decade. And most pharmaceutical research doesn't introduce novel therapies, but instead modifies existing drugs to expand their purview to new patients further bolstering drug company profits. Also, pharmaceutical research relies on publicly funded research. So while they're profiting and making themselves richer, uh, we're paying for a lot of the research and development that they should be investing in. So between 2010 and 2019, every single new drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration relied at least in part on publicly funded science. So on top of stock buybacks, drug companies have also increased the salaries of their senior executives. In 2021, the average annual compensation for highest paid executives at these pharma companies was $61 million, 93% of which came from realized gains from stock-based Pharmaceutical companies aren't the only ones spending their money on stock buybacks. We know that S&P companies spent nearly 10 trillion on buybacks and dividends between 2012 and 2022. And the way that works is when a company buys back its own stock, they're increasing this metric, the earnings per share, which makes the stock look good on Wall Street and increases the returns to existing shareholders, which oftentimes are people who accept are executives of the company. And the people who will ensure that returns to shareholders are high, those are the people who are the CEOs. Usually they hold stock in the company as well. They're going to have an increase in pay because if you're a shareholder, Certainly you want increased returns. So if you're going to reinvest your revenue in stock buybacks, you're a good guy, I want you running the company as well. It's corruption and it's finest. Francesca, what are your thoughts? It's evil, it's just evil. I wanna bring back that word. It's so evil what pharmaceutical companies are doing to the American people. And now they're running scared because oh no, we've got a little bit of price negotiation, which is really important. And I wanna say that it is not a nothing burger that we have made progress on being able to negotiate Medicaid, um, Medicare costs for pharmaceutical companies, for big pharma. For meds, that's the word. That's really, 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 really important. The other thing I want to mention, TBD, we will see what he will do with this power. But our man Bernie, he's going to be the head of the Health Education and Labor and Pensions Committee starting next month. So that might shift the balance. We might see what he can do in that role. The lobbyists, of course, are licking their uh, lobbyists, of course, are licking their chops. They're like, oh, which, which checks can I write? Here we go, here we go. How many pens? What, how much swag? How much Humera swag can I use to buy these people off? Um, so it's not a fight that's over. And honestly, I think it's the most winnable of all the things that we could actually work on bipartisan legislation around. For me, it is around pharmaceuticals and it's around the price of medication. Yeah, it seems like since the beginning of the pandemic, go figure, the healthcare debate is the one that's changed the most. I mean, they're, they're changing views on unions, right? And labor power, of course, and wages, because people realize how much they depend on corporations to survive, right? Keeping their jobs. But they also realize that tying healthcare to your employer when there was a pandemic and people were sent home and they couldn't work anymore, suddenly there was a, a crisis where there was a you know, a sickness you could get that was very mysterious that many people could die from that we didn't have a vaccine for. 
not only did you lose your job, but losing your health insurance during the pandemic woke a lot of people up to the importance of having universal health care. And when Bernie Sanders was running in 2020, you had people like Pete Buttigieg and others saying, well, we should make access to healthcare a thing in the United States. It's like, yeah, I have access to potentially, you know, getting billions of dollars, right? But that's not gonna happen. It's not likely. Like access doesn't mean anything when it comes to healthcare. We talked about that on the show yesterday, but those kind of debates yeah. uh, don't really work anymore on people after what they've experienced. They don't stand up to their everyday lives and the evidence that they see uh, when yeah. it comes to their employer and healthcare. Yeah, I have access to Ryan Gosling, but uh, <laughs> are we dating? No. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right, and it is—it's mind-boggling that the media does not make a healthcare a point of discussion ever. Rarely. I had a special on MSNBC. We talked about healthcare. It was like an hour long. It ran in the dead of night. I still talk about it. It was 2019. But at the in the, on the other side of a pandemic, when Republicans refuse to fund any future like real research, and no, 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 our money is all going to like yeah Pfizer and Moderna, which by the way were their stock prices were bolstered by the pandemic and the ways that the federal government helped them create the vaccine. What are we getting in return? Literally nothing, <laughs> nothing going forward. Well, how would you like to pay more for your necessary medications that you need there to you go. Would that be there good you go. for you? All right, thank you so much for breaking this down today. It's always fun when we get to host together, which is not often. This is a rare duo, so thank you, Francesca. Do you wanna remind people one last time about what you have going on in San Francisco? Oh, hell yeah, it's a live taping of my podcast, The Bituation Room, John Iderola, you heard of him, he's gonna be there. It's gonna be so fun, January 22nd at 8 p.m., which is a Sunday. And yes, Jessica, always a pleasure. I never heard of that guy, but that sounds very fun. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us on Unboss today, everybody. We'll see you back right here on Monday. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.